Hi, I'm Kyle Rode, and you are listening to the Sea of Red podcast. This episode is brought to you by R.T. Roger Oil Incorporated. Uh, being able to uh, have them, that was really cool. You know, they want to come support us in person more or less than watching us on TV. So I, I just appreciate them for coming out here and uh, uh, letting us go out there and glorify God, you know. I've done this long enough. Every year is different. There's no team that has the same DNA, same leadership, same hunger, desire, passion. It was great 2020. I got the ring. I got the picture. I got it all. I got it. I will have it framed. Top 20 in the nation. That's awesome. But you know what? It's time to run to the roar of 2021. It's here. It's a different week, Malik. It's a different week, Malik. For we can, For we can. do all things through Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. He strengthens us, he strengthens us. Each, and every day. each and every day. And may God, and may God. play with the play! John, it is good to be back. This is episode three on the A Sea of Red podcast. My name is Chad Hassan. Thank you guys for listening. We are coming off of a big win at Troy. We're 2-0 in football. Kind of getting excited about... Um, uh, Potential season here. We're joined by co-host and uh, founder, creator, creator, all the red, and my friend John Manson. John, how are you doing, man? Doing good, Chad. It's always uh, good coming off a win, and it feels good to be two and zero, second straight year. That's kind of crazy, man. The expectations are kind of through the roof, but we all expected to win that game. Had we lost that game. I'm waiting on that moment this year where we lose a game that we all expect to win to see how our fan base reacts. Because right now, I mean, we're, we're, we're winning a lot and it feels like that there's just a bunch of positive momentum. Our, our fans expectations aren't too high. Uh, even the commentary I'm seeing and reading, um, and interactions I have with other flames fans, everybody kind of seems level headed, but that could all change with one loss that we're supposed to win. And, uh, so what are your thoughts on just the expectations of the season, be it Troy, with the magnitude of that game, being 2-0? and um, Where was it in terms of a pivot point in the season? I know you kind of wrote about that preseason a little bit, about this being the game. The game. Um, talk to us a little bit about all of that, expectations, where we are at 2-0, and uh, the, the, the kind of the attitude or vibes of the fans right now. Yeah, I did. As you mentioned, I wrote about that in the um... – in, in our preview magazine back before the season started, um, back, wrote that back in May or June. I, I really thought just looking at the schedule, and, and I kind of mentioned it before, the, I think these first five games of the season are crucial to the team. You know, after these first five games, I think there's at least three. I mean, we can talk about ODU some, but I think at least three of those first five games are, you know, you could put in the quote-unquote toss-up category. Now, Liberty's probably going to be favored at least two of them, maybe all three. Um, you know, so getting through the, this first five games is huge. Uh, and then the next, you know, three or four games after the, this first opening stretch, um, you know, those games were literally be heavy favorites primarily before that final tough three game stretch uh, to close out the regular season. But yeah, I think Troy, it was very crucial. Like, I mean, if you, it just completely changes the, the, the trajectory of the season and the way we're feeling right now. I mean, if you were to somehow lose that game and you're one and one and one right now, you're really feeling bad and down in the dumps, especially with all these injuries going around and, and some of the COVID issues going around with the team right now. And, you know, and, and then you got, you know, an ODU team that's going to be looking to come in here and, and knock you off. 
Uh, I know Liberty's about a 28-point favorite right around there. And and then you got Syracuse and UAB on the road back-to-back. The Syracuse game's going to be a quick turnaround, a Friday night game, uh, you know, less than a week after after playing ODU. So it's going to be a tough game. And if you're one-and-one going into these next three games, I mean, you know, I think you'd be glad to get out of that three-and-two. And now you're sitting here and you're thinking, okay, you know, four and one is definitely a realistic possibility. And you could certainly, you know, make a case to, to, to get to five and oh at that point in time and put up a, a nice start uh, to the season, very strong start and get into the top 25. Whereas if you lost to Troy, you're, you're not going to get any votes to the top 25 for a while and you might not ever get back in there uh, this year. So it, it was very cru- crucial for the team to, to pull it together. And, you know, despite missing several key pieces, down there Saturday night in Alabama. Yeah. <clears throat> let's talk about the top 25. I have some other thoughts, but let's go ahead and get into the top 25. I I talk a lot about how important it is to be top 25, even in the discussion and, and even in that top 25 discussion, how important that is for the growth of our program. Kind of pointed out to me this week earlier um, that, you know, just that buzz that you're creating is so important. So, because, you, you know, the more the following, and, and let's face it, the top 25, how it works, is basically a voting system, both of them, coaches and AP polls. So if you have a voting system with humans voting on it, there's no BCS anymore, there's no formula, it's all an eye test. They can look at anything they want. They can look at margin of victory. They can look at strength of schedule. They can just watch one of your games and see how you're playing or so a lot of these guys vote based upon who your quarterback is, who your coach is. You know, Brett McMurphy has had us in the top 25 all year, and he hadn't seen us play a game other than what we did last year. And, and you know, just kind of have some of that. So it's kind of all, what's the word I'm looking for? Subjective. And so with that being said, it being a subjective test and being top 25, um, it is so important to, to kind of, be there in that conversation and have that positive vibe around your team and positive um, thoughts and thoughts and kind of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling for the right word, the positive kind of kind of for your team to be ranked in the top 25. And I think that's going to be super important as we go into Syracuse um, on Friday night. We're going to be playing an ACC school on a top 25 we could possibly be top 25. We take care of business against ODU. So I know I've rambled kind of a lot, but I have a lot going on with just how important is the top 25? How is it decided? And maybe why is Liberty not top 25 and say somebody like Coastal is top 25? I guess that's kind of the questions I have for you. Well, if you look at Liberty in a silo, um, I'm, I don't have a problem with where the flames are. I mean, I kind of expect it. You know, finishing 17 in the AP poll last year, the 18 in the coaches poll and returning everybody, you would like to think, well, you'd certainly be able to, to be 24 or 25 to start the season. But a lot of times what happens is a lot of these power five teams that, you know, an Auburn or uh, Miami or, or whoever, you know, Virginia Tech, you know, teams that are in that range, you know, that are middle of the pack of their conference. They start off the year with with high hopes and big expectations, and they a lot of times end up starting out in that 18 to 25 range in the preseason top 25 poll. So I kind of expected Liberty, you know, and we could debate that if we wanted to, but I kind of expected Liberty to be 
you know, one of the first five or so teams in, you know, the outside, others receiving the votes. And that's where they were. And that's, you know, where they are. And I kind of felt all along that, you know, a lot of it depends on what happens ahead of you. But normally that first week or two, you'll have a team come out of nowhere and win a game against, you know, a top 10 team. You had that with Virginia Tech beat North Carolina, which I think North Carolina is overrated to begin with. But that's another story. Um, so but them winning, beating a top 10 team week one on national TV. What was that? A Thursday or Friday night game? No other game really going on. Uh, they catapulted into the top 25, which can be expected. So you're going to have teams like that, that that jump ahead of you that first week or two. So Liberty kind of stayed put at, after beating Campbell, which nobody's going to pay attention to that. And then beating Troy, you know, Liberty was a favorite and, you know, they, they covered the spread. So it was, it was a good performance and a good, good win. But again, it's not going to be enough to move the needle to get from 29 or 30 in, in the in the poll to the top 25. It's not going to happen. Um, you know, and so as you go on, like, I, I always thought, like, if you get to 4-0, you take care of business against ODU, you knock off Syracuse on a Friday night primetime game, national audience with the ACC network, then I think at that point in time, you'll probably crack the top 25 if you get to 4-0. I think, I think I've always thought that was the case. So I don't have a problem with where Liberty is or, or where they're at right now, where they started the year. I, I get it. But you mentioned Coastal, and I think a lot of Liberty fans, myself included, is kind of perturbed uh, as, as to why the Shauna Clears are top 20, top 15 in, in, the, in, the, in the country and, and started the year in the top 25 in the preseason um, after they, you know, after Liberty beat them in the bowl game last year. And, you know, both teams returned the majority of their, their units. But it all goes back to last season. I kind of looked at this and kind of try to figure it out myself. To start the year last year, going into 2020, neither Liberty or Coastal was on anybody's radar, expected to do good. Well, Co- Coastal started the year, you know, September 12th. It was kind of before, you, you know, remember with COVID scheduling, a lot of the SEC and Big Ten and big conferences didn't play until mid to late September. Well, Coastal played September 12th against Kansas on the road, and there weren't many other games going on. And they took care of business against the Jayhawks, which, you know, I know Kansas is not – they're probably one of the worst – not not just the worst Power 5 team. They're one of the worst FBS teams in the country. But to have that win, they won by, you know, two or three scores on, you know, kind of with the national audience. They immediately jumped up high in kind of what I was talking about with Virginia Tech beating North Carolina. They immediately last year – were right knocking on the door of being in the top 25. They might have even jumped in the top 25 after that win. And, um, you know, whereas Liberty hadn't even played. They didn't play to the following week against Western Kentucky. And, you know, it wasn't until Liberty beat Syracuse that they even started getting votes for the top 25s. That was week four or five. So by the time Liberty's starting to receive a few votes, Coastal's already, you know, 19 or 20 in the in the polls. And then Fast forward, they end up not, you know, they run the table. They they defeat BYU in that game on college game day. And what was an entertaining game, national audience, again, the game that was supposed to be Liberty and Coastal. And, um, you know, BYU is in the top 10. So that pushed Coastal up, you know, top 12, top 10 when they played Liberty in the in the Cure Bowl. And Liberty was down around 20, 21. And so when, when the team, when Liberty won, Coastal was still ranked ahead. They were still – 15 or 16 where Liberty was 17 and 18 and that just has carried over throughout the year and it still is the case so they started the year preseason top 25 and they're you know now risen up to the top 17 or 16 or so and and that's just 
that's just the way it's going to be this year until they lose, if they lose, um, you know, they're, we're just always going to be playing behind them. So, you know, when you compare the two, it's, you know, I don't understand it. I don't, I do understand it, but I don't, you know, I get the frustration from Liberty fans as to why Coastal's getting all this love and Liberty's not, I get it, but that's kind of why it happened that way. It's a carryover from their win against Kansas last year, which again, we could sit here and debate about that win really didn't mean much, but that that's kind of why we're, we're sitting here in this predicament. Yeah. And you know what? It's not, what? it's not always team. So it, you can't look at it as because of the, the people voting, it's not always who they maybe think is the best team. Cause like I said, a lot of people put a big, big kind of chunk of their ranking and their vote on your resume. And, you know, Coastal has a power five win this season. If Liberty, like you said, if Liberty wins against Syracuse, no doubt will be top 25. So you need either some help. You need people in front of you to lose, or you need to make a splash. Liberty has not made a splash and there has not been enough help in front of us. So if we beat Syracuse, we're definitely in coastal has beat a power five already in Kansas. I will say this coastal has only beaten one power five program in the history of their school. And that is Kansas. They beat Kansas three times. Liberty has beaten three Power Five schools. That's Syracuse, Baylor, and who's the third, John? Virginia Tech. So I would take our Power Five wins over theirs. But this season, they have a Power Five win. We do not, and uh, hence why they are ranked ahead of us. And I agree with everything. I agree with everything you said. Right where we want to be, right where we need to be. I would really like to see us top 20. If I would love to get some help. I don't think ODU is going to do it for us and push us over the edge this week. Unless we have some help, I would love to have some help to have that top 25 number beside our name on that Friday night matchup against Syracuse. That would that would move the needle. That and we win that game. Now we're talking. Now we're talking really some big movement in the polls to where we need to be if we want to go. You know, New Year's Six Bowl type thing. So, you know, we need some help this week to get in the top 25, and we also got to take care of business at Syracuse. All right, John. Last thing I want to kind of get to with you here is just um, we are on kind of an epic run here. We've talked about it a lot. We are on an epic run of just a lot of winning, a lot of uh, kind of high expectations. What are your thoughts? You interact with fans a lot. Um, What are your thoughts on our fan base and, and kind of the support of the program? We've had Mike Hagans on week one and he was talking about, and even Ian both said that the fans are kind of engaged. What are your thoughts with attendance numbers, the amount of Twitter, Twitter interactions, the website, how many clicks you guys are getting? What is what is kind of your feeling with the fan base? Is the fan base have a long way to go? Or are they kind of steadily rising with the program? Yeah, I mean, it depends on who you compare them to. I mean, if you compare them to a, a Virginia Tech or or an SEC program or something, it's obviously a long ways to go. But if you compare them to other programs, you know, like I think about like Troy, for example, because I you know made the trip down there this past weekend and was at their game at at their stadium, and you know they were hyping that game up all week. You know, follow if you follow their social media accounts and their website and things, they were talking about this big showdown against Liberty, which I get it. You know, the team that went 10 and 1 last year has Malik Willis, you know, who's, you know, Heisman hopeful and a potential first round draft pick. Um, so they had that game circled. And I think Liberty's going to run into that against most of the teams they play this year. Teams are going to have that game cir- circle. Was that something new Liberty's ever dealt with? But, you know, and they had Military Appreciation Day and they honored, you know, 
all the uh, uh, military uh, service members in attendance, and they had some they brought in from out of the area that you know they honored, and it, it was a great you know they had the flyover with the the jets and everything. So it was a, it was a great experience. But you know if I think you know I look at Troy's you know environment, game day environment, and everything, and compared to Liberty's opener against Campbell, you know an FCS program. You know, Liberty had 15,000 uh, fans at that game, and the student body showed out as they always do and were really loud and raucous and brought the energy. Then I compared it to Troy, and, you know, they had their stadium is similar to Williams Stadium. I think Williams is nicer, in my opinion. It's more modern. You know, they had some upgrades there at, at Troy Stadium, the bet, they call it. And uh, but it's listed as a 30,000 capacity. They kind of got the the seating in the end zone on one side where Liberty's got the berm. So I think that's where the extra 5,000 seats come from. And uh, but their their student section was uh, small. It was small in comparison to Liberty's. They didn't make much noise. You know, I think their listed listed attendance for the game was around 20,000. I'm not sure where they got that number from because I don't think that stadium was more than 50 percent full. I think actual butts in the seats was more like 15,000, you know, and you compare that to Liberty. And I mean, Liberty was right there with that, if not better against an FCS team. So we'll see how it goes the rest of the year when you get some bigger name teams in. I think, you know, Liberty is right where they need to be. Season tickets are still growing. The other thing is Liberty is such a young school. You know, we've talked about that before, how, you know, the alumni base is young, you know, the donor base is young and it's still growing. So, so Liberty is getting there. I think they're at, they're growing at a nice trajectory. One thing I want, wanted to say is, you know, you th- talk about Hugh Freeze and, and the amazing growth this team, this program has had. He's 20 and six in his three years. He's the fastest Liberty coach to ever reach 20 games, 20 wins, doing it in 26 games. And if you remember, he started his career at Liberty where he was, you know, had the issues with his back and he was, you know, in the hospital bed against Syracuse and on the dental chair for the the Louisiana game. And Liberty lost those first two games. Well, in in the last 15 games under Hugh Freeze, Liberty is 14 and one, 14 and one against FBS opponents, two bowl wins, win over a top 25 team, two wins over ACC programs. Ranked in the top 25, 2-0 to start this year, 14-1 and the last 15 games. So That's, that's, that's incredible. And, you know, I, I've always heard in, in, in my job and in other areas of life, I kind of always heard that it's the slow, steady, consistent trajectory type changes that are lasting. And uh, had, we, had we come in and just, you know, blew the water out with uh, the attendance and the Flames Club, yeah, it would be nice, and uh, we would kind of see that impact. But I'm I'm guessing that this kind of incremental change and positive trajectory is going to be more lasting if if our coach leaves and when Malik, you know, he's going to go to the NFL at some point. Um, you know, so it kind of shows me that these are more Liberty fans and kind of excited about that. And uh, I, I agree with you; we're right where we need to be. There's no there's no lack of um, fan support for this team. Like you said, you compare it to a long existing P5. We have a lot of ways, long ways to go, and I think we're going to get there. It doesn't happen overnight, especially sustainable change doesn't happen overnight. Um, so, yeah, we're right where we need to be with fan engagement, in my opinion, and kind of seeing it all, all, all over just attendance numbers. So, 
Flames Club and attendance and season tickets, all of that kind of wraps up. And then also what we're seeing on, you know, the website and social media and just interactions are kind of jumping off too. So, um, yep, John, I will see you on Saturday as we take on ODU. I know we didn't talk much about the game, but, you know, 26-point favorites, 28 in some books. Uh, I would say that ODU likely covers. I know Liberty's really good against the spread, one of the top teams in the country against the spread. They're 2-0 and against the spread this year. But some reason, for some reason, whether it's all the injuries, whether it's the in-state rivalry, whether it's Ricky Rain and his first trip to Lynchburg, um, and he's a good offensive coach. Their talent is there. They got Lala Davis coming from Heritage High School. Liberty really wanted him. Gill and staff was real late on the recruiting trail with him, so he went to ODU. He is averaging, John, last game he averaged 13 yards a carry, and on the season he's averaging almost nine yards a carry. Um, you know, it, with, with it just kind of everything setting up to be a little bit closer game than 28 points. So we will see how it goes. Uh, your your final thoughts here on ODU or just initial react thoughts, actually. We haven't even talked about it. Initial thoughts on ODU this weekend and kind of do you think they keep it close or do you think it's truly a, a four-score game? Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, all these teams like ODU in particular, I'm sure they're really beating the drum of we need to go to Lynchburg and make a statement, you know, for recruiting purposes, for – you know, just to say that, hey, we're here, we, we, we can play, we can compete at this level. So they're, they're going to come in here expecting to win and wanting to win. They know Liberty's banged up. They probably aren't very impressed with the film that Liberty showed from last week against uh, Troy. So they're, they're going to come in here and expect to, to compete and win the game. Um, you know, yeah, there's question marks. The biggest question mark I have is, that I think we all have is with Liberty's offensive line. How healthy are they? Are they able to have enough guys back to, to protect Malik and give him time in a clean pocket? Cause we obviously saw a lot of issues with that against Troy with five sacks. Um, but you know, we it's easy to forget. Liberty still has basically four starters on the O line back or, or healthy and ready to play. If you include Biden amongst those, I know bounds technically got to start, against uh, Campbell to begin the season before he got hurt. Um, but those two were kind of going back and forth all during camp this summer. So you could say they have four starters healthy and ready to play, and then they just need to figure out that right tackle spot. But the real question mark is on the second string. So if Liberty is able to to come out and get a strong start and get a lead score in the first couple possessions like they've done each of the last two games, first two games of the year, they scored the first two possessions. So they can get a 14 nothing lead, 14-3 lead early and kind of cruise. I don't think you'll have to worry about the offensive line. But, yeah, you're right, 26, 28 points. That's a big line, a big spread. It's probably the biggest spread Liberty's ever had against an FBS opponent. Maybe UMass last year. But, um, you know, it's hard to predict Liberty to win by 30 points against an in-state uh, FBS team. But here we are. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, one thing about the line here is that <clears throat> you're right. And Campbell, it was evident in the whole second half, we played our backups for moments just like this to see if a Chase Mitchell was ready, to see who was ready to kind of go in there and get some snaps. So they got some meaningful snaps against Campbell. I wouldn't call them exactly, you know, meaningful, but they got some snaps, game snaps against Campbell. And uh, yeah, we plug up that right tackle, whether that's moving our guy 55 over there and playing right tackle, 
or that is pulling in uh, Bryce Matthews uh, to play tackle, right tackle. We'll see what happens. But uh, either way, you're right. We have a lot of a lot of experience over there on that left side. Tristan and Bodden and Sargent are really going to be kind of dominant there. So not not a huge question mark, but just just one to kind of keep an eye on. So, John, look forward to seeing you um, on Saturday. Look forward to watching another Flames victory going 3-0. and and we'll see if we'll see what kind of help we get on Saturday, whether or not we're going to be in top 25. And uh, as always, go Flames. This KR22 Hoops update is brought to you by R.T. Rogers Oil Incorporated, established as an SO agent in 1971 and currently owned and operated by a proud Liberty alumni and athletic supporter, Greg Rogers. Archie Rogers Oil Incorporated has expanded to distribute energy products in six states. RTR keeps thousands of commercial and industrial customers on the move every day. Regardless of your fueling needs or location, we bring quality fuel, exceptional service, and leading expertise right to you. Flames Nation, this is Kyle Road with another weekly hoops update. Um, it's been so exciting to be back in Lynchburg. For the past few weeks, working out, going to classes, and getting in the groove of things. Um, it was super cool to meet some of our season ticket holders last week um, at workouts and getting to see what the Liberty Arena is going to look like this year um, with the bleachers down all the way on the court. I know it's going to be an electric atmosphere. Um, it's been super cool to go to a few of the volleyball games last weekend uh, to kind of get a taste of what uh, our season is going to look like from a fan's perspective and uh, how special the Liberty Arena is. It's been awesome to see how you guys have been sp- supporting football as well. Um, they're killing it. And no, workouts have been going great. Um, starting to introduce the pack line uh, to our freshmen and new guys. And uh, it's been it's been really fun. Practices are super competitive. Uh, we have a great group of guys on and off the floor. And uh, I know we're going to make you proud this season. So thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, looking forward to... Uh, meeting more of you guys as the season um, comes comes closer and uh, keep rooting on those flames on the football field and in other sports. So thanks for tuning in. All right, we got with us head coach Hugh Freeze. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time, man. It's a game week. I know you guys are busy, um, but I want to talk about fan buzz and just kind of that momentum and and also relate that to the top 25 you know you see that little 25 beside your name when you're playing a big school or something does that really have a huge impact on the momentum um, and of your program and uh just just in general is the top 25 something that uh is a is something that that you want and is super positive for your team oh yes it's something that um i think validates um that we are on the right track on a given year um, it's not something that I ever talk about with the team or cause I just, I can't control who all votes. Some people don't even see us, all that stuff. I just know that if there's a consistency, um, in our approach that ends up giving us the results that win games, all of that takes care of itself, you know, and us being ranked 25 this week, if, if that were the case and then going out and, and not, performing well i mean that's over in a hurry so it 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 really to me what matters is the end of the year you know 
did you put yourself in a position to to be that which does create buzz among recruiting fan base all of that but that's that's you know what i talk about uh, to our team every monday as i have a board that i that they see every monday that gives them the theme for the past week and the result of the last week and where that puts us. And, and what I always talk about with them is just the, the striving to prepare, hopefully that gets us to a point where you get six wins and become bowl eligible. And now that they know, and I know that that's not where you want to stop, you know, but I've said from the beginning and I just, I think the the realistic expectations of being an independent in today's times is that our program is competing week in and week out and putting ourselves in a position to be in one of those bowl slots. And whether that puts us in the top 25 or not, I, I really can't control that. Um, but I know this, if you're playing people and you're competing with them, um, those other teams will know whether or not uh, we belong there or not. But, I mean, there's so many good teams in college football, and it's so hard to win games. People don't realize that. And it, it everybody on our schedule this year has players, and they have good coaches. And Lord knows you cannot figure injuries, COVID, all the things that we might have to deal with on a given week um, that may put you not at full strength. And who knows what that result will be. All I know how to control is making sure we prepare to compete on a given Saturday. And, man, I sure like it when the results uh, turn out to be in our favor. And that will put us in a good position. But, man, I don't ever talk about let's be top 25. Um, now, at the end of the year, like last year, I, I, I will have that framed. And nice. uh, that's that's nice. That's good. That's a memory. but that memory don't help us in 2021. Uh, next question, coach, is about calling plays. I know that you call plays and uh, kind of said on the press conference, you wish you had a few back the other night. Yep. My, my, three my question. Three, okay. three, three to be exact. So my question is, is calling plays for you when you're down there, is it more like playing poker? Or are you kind of like reading people, taking gambles here and there? Or is it like fixing your car where you go and you research and you're like, all right, this is the, this is the puzzle. We're going to put this piece here. We're going to do this piece. Which one's it more like, and is it like, or is it like either of them? I, I yeah, gotta imagine. It is. Go no, it is. It, it just changes though from week to week. If it's uh if it's everything that you've kind of seen on film and prepared for, you already know, this is what I want to go to. And, and then though, all right, they're they're treating us different, and we got to figure this out, man. We got to we got to get in there and and uh, and kind of may have to make some adjustments to uh, to what we originally planned. So it was some of both. The thing that you hope, Chad, when you get through a game, for me, my goal is to watch the film and know that the play that I called schematically was a call that put our kids in position to have a successful play now a lot of times you have a good call and you got beat in a one-on-one -on -one. you know the right guard got beat or the receiver didn't win or but 
you know, schematically, I look at it and I'm very honest with myself and say that, you know, there's nothing wrong with this call. And I want to watch the film when it's over and know that I put our kids in a position schematically that it, it was a sound call and we just didn't execute it, which that happens because they got players too and they get coaches too. But if, if they have a call and I make a call, and schematically, it has no chance. You have no idea how that irks me. And I feel, um, you know, I going in at halftime the other night, I made one in the first half that just, it killed us. It killed our drive. We're up 14 to 7. We're driving again. We just need to stay on schedule and go get more points. And I made a call. Absolutely new. After I made it and they – shifted a little bit to another coverage i knew it was dead to right and i have a way to get out of it and i let it go and that just hurt me um and that's that's not the kids that was me so um again i just like you know we've been pretty good about that and uh, i just want very few of those to happen in the game but it just has so happened the other night the three that we had they didn't just make it second and 10 or, or third and 10. They made it second and 16 or third and 16. And uh, those really irk you. So, yeah, I guess you, I guess, uh, do you have a couple of those all in moments during the game? Kind of like a poker game where you're like, all right, this is it. We're taking a gamble here. Is it, or is it more thought out than that? You know, I mean, they're, they're calculated gambles. They're not, they're very seldom. I mean, (laughs) If you call it just a trick play, sometimes those are those yeah. are all in moments, and you just hope it's not disaster um, uh, when you call those. But in our in our base offense, you know uh, there should even the shot plays that we have. So the first touchdown is a to- it's a total shot play, but schematically, I'd already run that motion and that set, and I knew it is a touchdown check down moment. But I had check downs built in it. And so I just got to trust that we taught Malik well enough, touchdown to check down. But so I don't, I don't know if you consider that an all in moment because it's really, we do have a touchdown possibility, but we also have the others. So very seldom do we take all in moments <clears throat> that don't have a way to, for it not to be just disaster other than you know, some of those trick plays. You just, you're, you're rolling the dice sometimes. Uh, a little bit off football here. I know you're probably not golfing a lot, but I've heard you say recently talking about your uh, your golf courses. Uh, what is your favorite golf course you've ever played? Like just one that you maybe played well, maybe the setting, maybe the way yeah. the greens were running, the whole thing. What is your favorite I love, one? I love fast greens, but do do we, does Augusta count or do we get to take, yeah, uh, Augusta, take that one out? No. Well, if you, well Augusta then. Augusta right. is is – you can't beat that experience. You can't beat the course. I mean, it's just an incredible experience, and it's awesome to play. Um, so, I mean, that's that's got to be your favorite. But if you make me take that one out, because a lot of people do, Wade Hampton um, is probably the, the next one. Um, that I could play that course every single day and never get tired of it. It's just so beautiful. I love mountain courses. Um that would probably be my my second to to Augusta. Over or under eighty at Augusta. I won't tell you the exact um, score. Well, I've, 
I'm ashamed to tell you, I've played it a lot of times, um, um, but I shot 78. There was my lowest. And most of the time it was around 80. Wow. Um, but I did shoot 78 there. Coach Malzahn and I, we were there at the same time one time, and we decided to play it from the uh, where they play the tournament from on a given round. <laughs> and that was 89. So that was, uh, that was rough. Well, hey, uh, so let's talk about your last 15 games. You're 14 and one against FBS opponents, 14 and one coach. That is an incredible record. Uh, so I know that you work hard to keep the expectations with your team, but us as fans, it's hard, man. We're, we're winning is contagious. We want to keep winning. We're like expecting, I can't tell you how let down I will be if we lose to ODU this weekend. And that's just, that's just the nature of being a fan. Yeah, how, I will how, be let down too. <laughs> uh, how, how do you control that with your team? I mean, I see the rat poison tweets. I see, I'm sure you got billboard material, but is that a constant battle? And should, and, and the second part of that question is, should fans do the same thing? Should I be pumping myself up, like looking up ODU stats? Being, all right, these are good, this is a good team, good athletes, good coach. Do all that, or, or can we just enjoy this and just have the high expectations and be let down on Saturday if it happens? Yeah, I think, you know, there's no way to, if you're not having some excited expectations um, from us, you know, in year three, then, you know, we probably haven't done what I would have hoped we would have done. So I'm glad that there are good expectations there. I just think you temper them with reality of um, this schedule we're playing from this point on, starting last week, and even Campbell had good players. But, I mean, you just cannot, if you know anything about football, you know that Troy, Old Dominion, Middle Tennessee, Lafayette, Army, Syracuse, Ole Miss, UAB, I mean, you're talking about teams that have won and they have won conference championships and they have players, North Texas. I don't know. I can't even remember who all. I don't want to. But I don't see a game on our schedule that doesn't have good enough players that if you don't play well, they beat you. And so just, yes, be it, you should expect us to compete in those games. And uh, But we won't always have the best roster. Um, and so it's kind of foolish if you think, well, we're just going to roll out there and win because we've won 14 games of the last 15. And uh, certainly it's, it is rat poison. If our, if our kids believe that, and the one thing they know, I, it is about how did we prepare on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? And if we prepare well, we should compete well. And But, man, Chad, there's days where they had a good plan and, we had kids out and we turned it over three times and all of a sudden you get clipped. Um, that's going to happen to us at some point in my tenure here. I'm quite sure if we don't, it'll be a miracle to be the only school probably unless you're just the most talented every Saturday, like in Alabama or somebody that their roster is just better than yours. Uh, most every Saturday, you it's hard to overcome when you don't play well. And so my job is to put us in a position to compete on Saturdays. And I sure hope the results continue to be something that gives fans like you and everybody else great expectations. But, you know, reality is uh, you'll probably be let down at some point. All right. Coach, sure it's when a you're let down when you're let down. I will be let down too. All right. So that, we'll share a, the misery together. Fair deal. Uh, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice, right. I guess, is what we'll do. 
Coach, I have one more for you here, and I feel like week two is a little bit early for guys like me to get into the coaching carousel discussion, so we'll skip that, maybe save that for later on. Uh, where do you get your visor inspiration from? I've been putting my visor on for game days. I feel smarter. I feel like I can watch the game better. Is the visor just a look that you like, or is it coming from the old ball coach? Where do you get your visor from? Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I said this long years ago when I first got in the uh, coaching in the SEC. Uh, when I was a high school coach, I just loved Steve Spurrier. I loved his swagger. I loved that he spoke his mind. I loved that uh, uh, he felt like football was kind of basketball on grass and. Um, I, I loved all that about him. And so that's why I originally started wearing a visor and, um, I've just continued doing that unless it's really cold or something. I'm probably uh, going to wear a visor. Awesome. Got this, uh, Saturday. Thanks again for the time. Uh, you guys get back to preparing and doing everything you do to make us a successful program and, uh, love having you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for all your support, Chad. Week three of the Liberty Line is back, and we return home to Williams Stadium as an in-state foe. The Old Dominion Monarchs come to town for a 6 o'clock kickoff on Saturday night. Williams Stadium could be a little bit wet on Saturday. Currently, 40% chance of rain at kickoff. Weather will be at 85 degrees. Last week, Liberty led by its defense. That's right, I said defense took care of Troy on the road, winning 21-13. That game wasn't as close as the score presents itself as, as Troy scored a a touchdown with under three minutes left to go to get it within a possession. Liberty did cover the spread of four and a half, but didn't come close to covering the total, so we fall to two and one with our first loss on the season. Saturday's game, the line came out on Sunday afternoon at Liberty as a 23-point favorite. It jumped all the way up to 28 points before you could blink. For ODU, they've started out their season in a weird way. They lost on the road in week one to Wake Forest, 42-10, to in what was their first football game in over a year. So you knew there would be some rust. Last week, they got back home, welcomed Hampton, and had no problems winning 47-7. to So which team shows up this week? Well, the 23 points for me would have been tempting, but I think 28 is just way too much. So I'm going to roll with ODU to cover those points. If you look at ODU in their last 12 road games, they're just 1-11 overall. So I don't see him winning this game, but 28 is too much for my liking. The total, I think, which is right at 54 points, I think we could get over with that. So I will take the over 54. I think Liberty getting back home, getting a little bit more familiar with this offense in terms of getting more games under their belt for this season will probably start to look a little more like the Liberty of old that we saw from last year. So I think they'll score some points. I like the over. So we're going to take Old Dominion plus 28 in the over 54 for this week's Liberty Line. I'm Jared Brooks. If you need any audio editing, mixing, or sound design for your projects, reach out to our guy, Jonathan Luna. You can find him at Johnny underscore Moon, or you can visit his website, lunasound.design, 